Hot Tub Beers is meant for entertainment purposes with a side of beer education. Each episode may contain offensive and off-color humor. Our intended audience is people 21 years of older who love beer and laughter. Welcome back to Hot Tub Beers. So, special Sunday today. So we still have Jake. Hello. And we still have Tim. Hello. But today in the in the in the hot tub with us we have Vince Mandeville. Welcome, Vince. Why? Thanks for having me. Hey, man, the the pleasure's all ours. Uh, this is kind of an exciting day for us. It's really exciting. So we're we're kind of beer geeks. Uh, we to the point where we've created a whole podcast where we uh, convince people to get in the hot tub and drink beer with us. Uh, and so we're we're going hammer smashed face today. Russian Imperial Stout, brewed with coffee, Madagascar vanilla beans, aged in whiskey barrels. Now, this is a product of Brash Brewing, which is the – this beer is your beer, correct, Vince? Uh, yeah, I was pretty much the main person in recipe formulation. In, nice. So, nice. Um, what was the inspiration on this beer? I started – uh, I, I worked at St. Arnold for a good 12, 13 years, and at the time, there, we, we didn't really have a, uh, an Imperial Stout. Um, we were making an Imperial Stout for somebody else and barrel-aging it for uh, St. Patrick's Day every year. Um, Was this the old location, St. Arnold? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So... Uh, uh, every year we would have a big party for St. Patrick's Day and drink barrel-aged beer and have a blast. Very American. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, one year during Dixie Cup, which is a Foam Rangers uh, homebrew competition, they always bring in somebody to speak. And Tyler King, Tyler King, that sounds right. From the brewery came in and uh, oh wow he I was asking him how he got the uh, alcohol content gravity up on uh, Black Tuesday while we were walking through St Arnold's that's pretty cool that's one of my favorite beers it's an amazing beer so we were walking through the barrel aging room at St Arnold this is at the new St Arnold and he was like well we take a pretty big starting Imperial Stout. And then we feed it molasses for so many days straight during fermentation. So this is that was a completely new thing uh, to me, the thought of adding sugar during fermentation to get alcohol up. And so I went to Brock, and uh, Brock's the owner of St. Arnold, and asked him if we could take some of the... Uh, people know uh, the Tonka Stout that we oh, make yeah. for BJ's and put it into one of our small fermenters and feed it to see what would happen. Um, so we did that. We put in, I think, about f- four barrels of Tatanka Stout, fed it an amazing amount of molasses for four straight days, let it sit, let it ferment, crash it, uh, and uh, we were just drinking it out of the fermenter. You know, tasting it out in the fermenter. <laughs> it was never packaged. It was never put into keg. It was n- nothing. And then one day, uh, Michael Harris, who is now head brew over at Oscar Blues in Austin, yeah, yeah, brought Ben Fullerlove, who owned the petrol station, in, and said, "You need to taste this beer that Vince has made." Uh, uh, 
it's it's not perfect, but it's going towards something. Yeah. What was what was the the alcohol that came out of that one? Um, it was never really tested, and yeah. we had no we had no way to actually test it. Yeah. Um, and I can't, you know, it's one of those things that I write down all recipes and mm-hmm. write down everything, so I don't have to remember it later. But uh, um, we, I use that as like a base for what what turned into Hammer Smash Face. Wow. So. That's awesome. So, uh, so Ben picked you up off that project, or he's the well, one who shared it with. So then, fast forward, I'd say about three years later, uh, Ben found the funding to open <laughs> Brash, and he. Uh, let me take a sip. Oh please! Oh, absolutely! Wow, is this the first year? This is the this is the first year. This is 2016 hammer smash face. Wow. Yeah, this so was the first year you brewed it, right? Yes. So this is this is what six years old, roughly. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, on nose on this beer. That's that's sexy. Yeah. It brings me in. It warms up the nostrils. <laughs> on a day to like day, it's probably what 40s outside, and we're sitting in the hot tub. Uh, this is nice, dude. Wow. Yeah. So he opened up brash. You came in to to brew. This is one of the beers that you brewed. Tell us what went into this beer and what was the the recipe formulation on it. So, the main thing was to get it as big as possible in the brew house that we had, so that we wouldn't have to add as much to the fermenter. But we changed it from molasses to uh, a Belgian candy syrup. Which, oh, cool. So we used the darkest Belgian candy syrup we could. And that's beet sugar, right? Yes, it yeah. is. Yes, it is. So, and, and each, they have like an extra light, a light, medium, and dark. And each one have a different flavor. And so, and, and the flavor actually is imparted in the beer. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, so we got it, I think out of the kettle, we got it at about 11%. And we we got to about thirteen, I, believe, I think on the on the label it says thirteen percent. Okay. Let's see. We have fourteen percent on the label. Okay. Sixty six point six IBUs. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was when I was test brewing this, uh, I went into Defalco's mm-hmm. and got all the. Uh, ingredients for it and the people that were in there i've known for years and years i started home brewing when i was 17 18 and uh you know it was james mcdonald and bev blackwood and all these people oh, and, yeah. and so i would i went in i put up all the ingredients and i had like six ounces of magnum hops and and bev was like so what are you doing with all these hops i'm like well it's going to go in this beer he's like You've got an imperial stout here. You can't. Why would you use six ounces of of magnum? It's going to be undrinkable. I was like, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> Hold the horses, yeah, Bev. Because he didn't know I was going to add a whole bunch of sugar yeah. to it and sweeten it out a bit. So, but uh, I don't know where we were. What were we talking about? <laughs> we're still we're still building the recipe. Still yeah. building the yeah. recipe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we did a couple of test brews. And uh, I really, I really thought the beer was going in the right direction to where we could do a twenty barrel. Uh, and Ben, what, my thought was to make it a cross between like Dark Lord and Speedway Stout. 
Oh, so okay. you have coffee, but you yeah. also have this big backbone of a, a huge imperial. Yeah, so, and you leave out the soy sauce. Yes, leave <laughs> out the soy sauce, yes. So once we got it into the fermenter and it fermented and we were tasting it out of it, I thought we, we, I thought we did an okay job at, at hitting what we were kind of aiming for. Yeah, that's awesome. That was that was this one, or that was the test before it? That was actually, you know, we, we probably only did two tests of it because we knew that... You couldn't keep I'm, drinking I'm that not, much? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a big test brew person because mm-hmm. scale up from five gallons to 20 barrels, you're never going to hit it dead on. Yeah. So you might as well take that recipe, do it at 20 barrels, and... If it doesn't hit at all, then you have to dump it. But yeah. that's, I, I just rather do the large batch. It's going to take me the same amount of time mm-hmm. to brew it, to ferment it, to, you know, to condition it. So you might as well just go, go for it. Oh yeah, yeah. And so, how was this beer received from the brash audience when on upon its release? Um, it was received pretty well. You know, people. People seem to like it. Yeah. So um, that's one thing I can say about Brash that I'm kind of proud of is that most of the beers were all well-received. Stellar you know? beers. I've never had one while you were brewing that, that I did not care for. Why, thank you. You know, we, we, we had some really good guys. Had, well, one of them's still there, but we had some really good guys that were working there. Alan and yeah. Robbie and James and... Robbie's still there, right? Yes, Robbie's the uh, Robbie's the head brewer now. Nice. So yeah, what a great guy. Yeah, good brewer. Yeah, good brewer. Absolutely, man, that's fantastic. And so, how do you, how do you feel? Like personally, this this is kind of cool. So this has been in the bottle for six years. This is your creation. Uh, what are you feeling right now? It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't really sell her stuff at my own house because you know I have a brew. I you know I have a brewery where everything is. So, I I don't drink that much at home, you know, because there's a lot of tasting at work and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I don't have any of these. So, I thank you guys oh, for wow. setting it up for that. Well, That's absolutely. badass, so yeah. I actually cherry-picked this off of Brandon Scott Lord, if he ever listens to this. Brandon Lord, thank you for um, cellaring stuff properly and longer than I would so I can get them out of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so when I'm tasting it, the vanilla is coming through. That whiskey and the vanilla are coming together, yeah. and it is, oh my gosh, it warms me up, especially on a cold day like this. Right. And, I, and I'm going to be real honest, like beers like these are kind of why this podcast was started. That's one of my favorite pastimes. The, the the temperature drops. I love getting in the hot tub when it's cold outside and drinking a heavy bourbon barrel aged out and just kind of sinking into the hot tub and enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, this one is doing that for me. Um did it say it had coffee? Yeah, there's a it little does. bit of coffee. This one with the coffee, it's it's. I'm tasting it, but it's it's really subdued. It's it's kind of like a nice accent to the beer as opposed to like coming forward and saying you know good morning to you. That's one of my favorite things about coffee and stouts is like the longer it ages, the more blended into the beer it gets. I mean, it's. Well, me and Tim have talked about this. King of Terrors, you know, there's a sweet spot yeah. with King of Terrors. I love it. I love Seth. But like that first month or two, it's just a phenomenal beer. But then once you get to like between like three and ten months, the the coffee really starts to turn very bitter and very aggressive and stands out on its own. But once you pass that ten month threshold, it blends back in and it's just phenomenal at how well it blends back into itself. 
And I mean, obviously, we got six years on this one. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that Ben brought to the table was uh, he was uh, he actually ran a a coffee shop for quite a while, like, and so he he knew coffee, and okay. he would be the person to pick out the coffee that we would use. Now, how we how we did it in the process was how you know we stole what Surly does for for their bender coffee bender. Mm-hmm. And use their process for it, but uh, what was that process? It, just you just you throw the coffee in the bright tank and whole bean. Yeah, no, no ground. Ground. And uh, if you, you, so pretty much you're making a toddy. Yeah. Out out of out of the beer. Wow. So and that's we, cool. You recirculate it until you get to the coffee flavor you want, and then you take it off. Wow. I love I that. I, lo- I love. I love all these things that you're bringing in from the brewery. It so happens it's Tuesday and surly and 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 just. I don't know. Any any time you reach excellence in your field, you stepped on the back of the giants to get there, and it's it's really cool acknowledging those people that helped you and the stuff you stole along the way. Yeah, and it, it's 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 neat because the, the story there is is as complex as the beer. Just like musicians, uh, brewers are thieves and magpies, and mm-hmm. you know, they, God bless you, sir. You know, it's. There's only so many styles. They've all pretty much been done. Unless you think adjuncts, th- the and, adjunct yeah. stuff, but uh, that's not my that's not my cup of tea. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, being in an industry so long, going to the conferences, you meet brewers, and then you know you talk to the brewers about what they do and how they do it, and mm-hmm. you know you become colleagues and friends. So. I, it's pretty awesome to then, like, you'll go to a conference. Let's say one year there was a conference about Berliner Weiss. You know, there was a, a seminar about Berliner Weiss, and I'd say 60% of the brewers in the United States started making a Berliner Weiss or a Gosa that year. Oh, yeah. So it was like, well, there's a whole bunch of Berliner Weisses and Gosas because someone came in and talked to it from Germany, came in and talked about, you know, how to make this style correctly. Yeah. So was that when you put out Ghost? Uh, No. I, I, you you had to make sure you were not in the trend. You, no, you, I, I won't you, say you that. You made a, an allotted time. I, I, <laughs> I won't say that. Uh, it's it's you know when you're working at a brewery, you know you the the owner, you know the main owner is the one who's going to tell you what you're going to brew. Oh, of course. And so you know he came in and said, "Hey, I, I wouldn't. I I think we should do a Gosa," and so we we did. You knocked it out of the park. Why? Thank you. So this one we're we're doing something unique on the uh, on the podcast today because we we've only done this maybe a couple of times tasted different vintages of the same beer and so we're starting out with 2016 with the hammer smash face from Brash what makes this one unique from the other the other ones that we're going to taste today oh uh, well uh, I will say in the later years uh, apparently in Madagascar there was a huge storm and it messed up the crop of, of vanilla and oh wow so we couldn't use as much vanilla as we were because it went from being like a hundred dollars a pound to five hundred dollars a pound wow oh wow and i believe there's anywhere between two and four pounds of vanilla in e- each batch of the beer okay so two or three pounds for a 20 barrel batch it would be i think it would be 26 it would, they were 13 barrel batches oh gotcha Okay. Uh, doubled. 
Yeah. Actually, that was something I, I wanted to ask. Uh, so that's what Seth has told me about him brewing King of Terrors, is he does it in four separate parts to right. get to where he was. So are you, did you do the same thing with Hammer Smashed? Yeah, yeah. So actually, it's it's brewed 18, yielded 13 in a bright tank. So wow. there's five barrels each batch that is missing somewhere. And that being said, who knows if the kettle was actually dead on, like this is 18 barrels or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I believe it was 30, so we would get 20, about 26, 26 barrels out. Yeah, and so you, you brewed it in two separate batches and then you fermented yes. together. Yes. Yeah. That's also, it's written down somewhere. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. And on a brew sheet, uh, you know, somewhere. What each one was, I couldn't. That's phenomenal. Actually say for certain. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot of stuff to remember. I, I mean, that's why you do so well is you write it all down. You have your references. Yeah, uh, I was I was impressed that you could just take the labels. So when when you first got here, you we we gave you the beers and, and Jake was asking, all right, can you tell what year it is for the labels? And uh, he had a picture of them with them already labeled. You nailed it. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Uh, it's I mean it's. It's neat to have you on just because this is your project. This is something that that you built and something that you know guys like us are sitting in a hot tub talking into a microphone, going to share with the world um, <laughs> how how fucking cool it is. Uh, I don't know how many years later after it's brewed, um, but this is your first time on the podcast. Yes, hopefully not the last because I would oh, love man, you to come back and do awesome. an eighth wonder episode. Yeah, so. But part of the podcast is we're very judgmental. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we we have our own rating scale that we're pushing to become the industry standard. Okay. Okay. So we rate on zero to four. Okay. Zero. If it's a zero beer, we're we're gonna burn the brewery down. We don't want anybody drinking this beer again. Uh, this is horrible. Oh, this is dangerous. Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> so four is I I need this every time I get into the hot tub. Okay. So. It's gonna. We we've rated in front of brewers before. I don't know for whatever reason. Maybe because of the aggressiveness of the beer, this might be the most intimidating to rate in front of you, Vince. But I'm gonna do it first. Please do. I'm gonna go three point eight nine repeating. Uh, just because I don't know what's next of the other four vintages, uh, but this is phenomenal. I love the whiskey on the nose. I love the way it blends with the vanilla. The coffee in the background is incredible. It doesn't overpower the beer. It's just a really nice accent to what's going on in the beer. Um, this is the reason I started the podcast. Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. Well, I want to I want to rate next then before Vince gets to because Vince, that's my favorite part is you rating your own beer <laughs> from six years ago. Yeah, uh, you know what? This beer, without a doubt, would have been a perfect four uh, for me. I, 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 it's right up there, but I'm gonna have to agree with Tim. Um, waiting to see what's what's coming. 2018 was my favorite, but I've never done all four side by side, so we'll see where it is. Uh, but quite frankly, this is an absolute treasure. Uh, if you're from Houston and you don't know this, uh, obviously you're wrong. Um, so, uh, just this 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 episode makes me so excited. It makes it hard to rate because I'm so excited about it. But I'm just gonna go three point. I'm gonna go three point nine six. Oh, I mean it's it's phenomenal. Uh, it's not overcarbonated for the style. It held up great. It really blended in well. Big roasty flavors without being aggressively bitter without really wrecking everything in your mouth but still very forward very big very beautiful um 
this is one of those beers that's hard not to have with lunch, but without a doubt, it's a finisher. It's the end of the night, you know, oh, pour yourself like five to ten ounces. Thank goodness they come in 22-ounce bottles. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so thank you, Vince. Awesome. And now it's your turn. You get to, you get to rate your beer. Um, I would give it a 3.5. I get a little tartness in the finish. Okay. I know how this was bottled. It was bottled on a two-place machine that was shared between Eureka Heights and Brash. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think. Do you think there's oxidation in there from that? No, no, no. I just think that maybe if there's, there's, it, it, I would like to see the coffee a little more forward. Okay. Uh, and maybe a little more sweetness from the vanilla. Mm-hmm. But like, like you said, I, I, for a six-year-old beer, this is phenomenal. Out of the oh, world, yeah, you know? it is. Uh, I'm I'm amazed because again, we didn't. We had a two place uh, bottling line, you know, not exactly the you know the industry standard for for good bottling practices, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and two people, maybe three people with rinsing bottles, sanitized, pour it out, put underneath, yeah, cap. And yeah, so it, it's it's a long, long haul process, but not exactly you know, the best way of doing it. Yeah. So, well, man, hey, listen, thank you very much for being uh, willing to get in the hot tub with us okay. and and not only drink some of your own beer, but rate your own beer. Uh, this is going to be phenomenal. So we just got started. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to come back with the 2017 version of Hammer Smash Face and get a little bit more into the man himself, Vince Mandeville, and how he got to where he is now. Hot tub beer fans, are you looking to buy, sell, or lease a home with or without a hot tub? Hugh Height, the Texas beer realtor, is who you need to call to help with all your real estate needs. Hugh knows hops and Hugh knows houses. That's txbeerrealtor.com or 281-939-8182. So welcome back to, <laughs> welcome back to Hot Tub Beer. I hate recording so the exact perfect time. Jake, Jake's, Jake's so many titties. At the festival that you were at in the woods in Oregon in 2017. Oh, I was just talking about the cow field. There's just so many titties. So, yeah, well, <laughs> hmm, titties and beer. It was uh, There's a song impressive. about that somewhere. Milk, milk cow blues. <laughs> <laughs> milk cow blues. So... We are, and that was a great segue, right? Because we're going to the 2017 version of Hammer Smash Face. So we're still sitting in the hot tub with Vince Mandeville, brewer of Hammer Smash Face. Either way. And we're pouring out the 2017 version. So as we're pouring out this 2017 version, getting ready to taste it, Vince, tell us, like you mentioned in the last segment, you started brewing at the age of 17 yeah. and getting beer from or getting uh, supplies from DeFalco's there in Houston. So, local Houston guy. Yes. Here you are. You've made your mark on Houston. You are now at Eighth Wonder, probably one of the most uh, Houston esque breweries in the area. Yes. They, most everything they do has some <laughs> sort of name tie to, to the city. It does. Yeah. So tell us tell us the story. How'd you get from seventeen and DeFalco's to question mark age and uh, <laughs> eighth wonder? 
Well, on the way over here, I was thinking, and I don't generally think about myself, but uh, I was thinking that uh, I would be the old man of Houston Brewing because while I did work for Brock and he's been doing it longer, I'm older than Brock is. So Are you? Yeah. I think he's 50, Take that, Brock. 52. I'm 55. Oh, so you're like leaps and bounds, generations older than he is. <laughs> uh, no, my dad started, uh, he, he did some homebrews, uh, and he's 80-something and will probably never listen to this, so I will say that all of his beers were horrible. <laughs> he was always trying to just make a Miller Lite-type beer mm-hmm. and, you know, using malt extract and... There would be no hops because it'd be in a can, and you'd just pour it with water and, you know, the Mr. Beer sort of thing. Uh, but I would go with him to DeFalco's when it was next to the Ginger Man. And then when I moved out and into the Montrose, I would ride my bike to DeFalco's when it moved to uh, over by where the bank draft was in, in the Rice University, Rice area. And then eventually saw them move to Ostella Link by uh, NRG. So I've seen uh, DeFalco's in three different uh, locations. Okay. But I would cool. ride my, like, it would be when I was a bartender at the time. So I would wake up at 11 o'clock in the morning and ride my bike from the Montrose area over to Rice, which meant going over a freeway. It was probably a good six, seven, maybe eight miles with a backpack and go grab my stuff, go grab something to eat, hit, you know, maybe like comic book store on the way back in and, you know, the next day I would brew and then, you know, in the carport of the fourplex that I was in. So nice. That is That's that. so Montrosey too. It what? really is. Well, not now. No, 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 no. <laughs> Back sorry. then, yes. But not now. Now now it's pretty much all, you know, uh, condos instead of those yeah. really nice porch homes that used to be there. Uh, I watched them got torn down when I was there in the quadplex with the, with the wind that would blow up through the floorboards. And, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So, so from 17 in a carport yeah. and bartending, yeah. riding your bike all over Houston, yeah. how did you get your foot in the, the brewing door? So... Uh, the main homebrew club in town was the Foam Rangers. And we, me and a couple of buddies, we would go to the Foam Ranger meetings. But we realized that they weren't really like us. We were punk rock metal kids, you know. Uh, we're in our 20s, if not late 20s. And, and so we decided to uh, make our own homebrew club, which is CCSD. Uh, Connoisseur's Club of Smoking and Drinking. It was more about pipe smoking and drinking beer. Okay. Pipe smoking, cigar smoking, and drinking beer. It's still around. In fact, they have way more meetings. They they meet once a week. Really? Uh, The the Foam Rangers meet once a month. So they have more meetings than than the Foam Rangers. We need to start start a club. We do need to start a club. club. You should start a club, yeah. You know, that's the thing. You know, if, if the, the clubs that are around don't fit your personality or what you think you're, you want to do, why not start something else? You know what? N- now that we brought this up, Tim, why, why did a podcast get started instead of a club? This would have been way less effort to just start a club. I, 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 <laughs> that's a good we question. Once a week. I, don't, yeah, now, I don't know. But now that this is 
Like, look who we've pulled into the hot tub. Yeah. Now everybody can hang out with us. There you go. See? You, you know, you beer. already have a club. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know? That's right. And the, the key to admission is the sunglasses, the <laughs> and yes. which you wear well, by the way. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. So, yeah, we started our own club, and it was going strong for, uh, I guess, a good five, six years. And a job opening came, a brewing job opening came up at St. Arnold, 1990, no, 2001, 2002. I think the club started in 1995. And one of the guys in the club said, if you don't apply for this job, I'm going to kick your ass. So I applied for the job, not thinking they were going. I was managing a bar at the time and, you know, not thinking that anything would come of it. And I got the phone call. And so uh, I was super intimidated because it's Brock Wagner. He's intimidating. Of course, yeah. You know, he's... He's so nerdy, but yet so intimidating. He's intimidating. And uh, I went in. I had two of uh, two stouts that I had home brewed and gave it to him. Because that was the style that I, that I brewed the most was stouts. Um, but uh, I don't know if he ever tasted them. I know that I've... Every time that somebody has come to me with, you know, like a, a beer for an interview or whatever, I definitely taste them, you know, because if you get something that's horrible, you know that, well, I guess I can teach this person, but they think this is the best that they can do right now. Which is rough. Yeah, so you have to you have to be able to judge your own, probably harsher than you would judge somebody else's. Good. So. Well, I'm glad we got you in here to judge yourself then. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Oh man! So you so you started there at St. Arnold's and you were brewing for St. Arnold's, right? And how long did that last? And what is are there any uh, footprints that you've left that we would have tasted? Um, I started two thousand and two, uh, and in two thousand and nine, they moved from their old building, which is pretty much like what Eighth Wonder is right now, which is you know in an old industrial park. You know, it wasn't purpose built for a brewery or it, you know, it's, it's, it works for a brewery. Everything is done correctly. It's just that after years and years of turning and burning, things start to break down and it it gets rough. Well, in 2009, uh, Brock bought the land and the building that they're in now. And that was purpose built for a brewery. Um, by that time, I had moved out of brewing, and I was doing QAQC. I was QAQC manager in the lab, and so quality I, assurance, quality I wasn't control. Brewing, I was the person, the last person that each tank that got moved, I would be the person to cut it away. Okay, help put it on its cradle, get on a truck, and move over to the new building. Um, I don't know where we were going from there. But, so finishing up, yeah, your your so, tenure with St. Arnold's, where so, it went, so, yeah, what footprint once, was left? Once we got there, you know, they had a beautiful, huge lab built. I was in a kitchenette, uh, an industrial park kitchenette for a while, using like uh, a uh, home hatchery kit as a as an incubator for my plates and stuff into like real lab equipment, real everything. And the brewers had 
complete automation instead of just manual la uh, manual valve turning and you know a huge internal calandria which it boils <coughs> on the inside and and throws it out so it comes to boil fast and is very efficient you know a three vessel system which i think now is they moved to a four vessel system do they really yeah uh which there was only a two vessel system. so time for the brewer, you can get it more batches in during the day using more vessels. Mm -hmm. um, everything got more advanced, and and everything got more consistent. The beers got cleaner. Not saying they weren't clean before, but they they got super clean and and really just bright and opened up everything. Uh, and then I started working in the barrel room, doing the the barrel aging stuff the fourth floor barrel room the fourth floor yeah. barrel room oh. i remember when that started man that's a that's a wild little room up there man. It, they have way more now i mean oh, yeah. what colin and aaron has done over there is amazing oh, yeah. i mean they fit so many i was always too scared to fit too many in i mean i think that most we had maybe 250 barrels in when i was there mm -hmm. and I'm sure they've doubled doubled it in that room. It's now. massive. I yeah. haven't been in there in quite a few years, but if I remember correctly, I mean, it's now it's like just fully sealed, fully yeah. temperature controlled. Yep. Like I, I remember something about like they're super super serious about the bacteria, so they make you wear booties or something. Yeah. Well, they're the, unfortunately their mill room is right is in there. Yeah. So you gotta you don't want to make you know with any grain. There's lacto and pedio in that. Mm -hmm. There's there's all kinds of stuff that'll be in it. So. Yeah, their 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 cleanliness is amazing. It's, Phenomenal. It's they are uh, they're very impressive. It's it's really awesome. Say so the only reason I even got to see that room is I used to volunteer and separate six packs. I was sort six pack holders uh, for St. Arnold for oh, yeah. years. <laughs> and like, mind you, like there was they'd do big drives where when the staff couldn't keep up, they'd have like ten people in. And yeah. There was a point where I was I was just call up Deb. I'm like, hey, y'all need work today? Yeah. I'd sit up there by myself for like eight hours just sorting six packs by myself in the dust. Yeah. And that room is just like adjacent to like where you sort it. So it was cool that I could like. Pop my head in there. This was right around uh, Bishop Barrel starting. Okay, um, yeah. Right, right when they started that that big project. I think and I was super cool. Up to Bishop's Barrel four. Were you? Yeah, I think I was still there. Did and you so, do the aging or like you? You said you did work the cellar room. So did you do one through four? Uh, you know, I mean, I probably I was the the main barrel person at that time. I believe. Yeah. Uh, and I would. I would schedule the tastings and make you know for, you know there there wasn't much blending between barrels or anything. But we would blend an entire batch with, and that mostly the tasting at that point in time was a go no go. Yeah, you know like this barrel is infected, we can't use this. Uh, I do remember like Bishop's Barrel One, Tatanka. Was that? I, I guess it, it was two. Was the Christmas sale? The Christmas sale Chardonnay. I was about to bring that up. Yeah. I love that one. Brock, we went up there and we were tasting, and Brock just offhand said, "You know, this would be really good if there if there was some Brett in it." And that second, I went down and ordered some Brett from White Labs. Yeah, and I think there was six, there may have been sixty barrels, and I think in we put it, uh, Brett in eight just to to age, and that was Bishop's Barrel Two B. Remember 2B. there was there was Bishop's oh, Barrel wow. 2, 2B. and then there was Bishop's Barrel 2B. I never got 2B. And 2B had the bread in it. Yes. 
Yeah. That's pretty cool. But it was which, one of those ask for forgiveness yeah. sort of things. I mean, he said he it would taste good with Brett, so. What did it? It tasted fantastic with Brett. <laughs> well, they, still, they awesome. still do variations of that now. I think it was 19 was uh, Christmas ale, cherries, and Brett, and oh, Chardonnay barrel awesome. again. That's awesome. Phenomenal. Did so there's a there's was a little it with Brock's cousin's winery. I'm not sure. Because those all those which was really cool that they that that Brock got barrels from his cousin's winery in order to actually yeah. barrel age some beers at his brewery. So if we get Brock in the tub, right? If, which he Brock, is yet to come. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's it's gonna be a difficult one. Can we get you there with us? Yeah, you know, if and I'm sure that he would. Uh, I mean, he's got plenty of talk to talk about without me. That's for sure. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a great guy. Oh, but man, you're right. Amazing. He's intimidating. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, he's done so much. I mean, he's got one of the showcase breweries in the state. One yeah. of the. It's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So you said through Bishop Bell or Four, you were there and you had your hands on stuff and you were working, maybe even doing some secret, putting some Brett in some barrels. Right. And then at that point, that's when you transitioned to Brash? Yeah, I think it was the end of 2013, Ben came to me. Okay. And said, hey, I'm going to open a brewery, and would you like to be a part of it? And I, I think that both Brock and I knew that I had pretty much reached a point to where I wasn't going to go any higher, and that... Uh, you know, it was, I think, in the end, it was a mutual parting. Uh, it was my decision to go. Uh, they gave me a fantastic going away party. and uh, That's awesome. Yeah. You know, so there's no hard feelings. In fact, when I go over to the brewery now, uh, you know, I, I hope to see them because, you know, it's now that there's there's time between what's happened. There's no longer kind of employee-employer yeah. uh, relationship. It's more, you know, I've been in his shoes, albeit very small shoes. Uh, and Brock probably has big feet. He's 6'5". <laughs> so uh, I, I know what he's had to go through. Not all of it, but some of it, you know, with, mm-hmm. you know, opening up Brash and, you know, sourcing everything you need to have to to do what you need to do so you still so y'all still stay in contact uh you know uh i was just recently in san francisco and his great great grandfather opened a bar in san francisco on i think it's called the north beach section it's just if you go past chinatown you keep going toward like where Ghirardelli square is or whatever Mm -hmm. There's a bar called The Saloon. His great-great-grandfather opened it, and it's the longest-surviving bar in San Francisco. Wow. And so Diana and I went into The Saloon, and they had shirts. So I texted Brock. I'm like, what's your shirt shirt size? So we got him a shirt, and it has nice. a picture of like these old guys out in front of a saloon. And I, So when he got it, I was like, so are there, is there anybody in there that you're related to? And he's like, yes, my great-great-grandfather and my great-grandfather. Wow. Great, great, yeah, great great and great grandfather. Oh so wow. His family's been in beer for a long time. That's pretty cool. So yeah. Are you the are you the first in your well you said your dad was a home brewer. He was a home brewer. My mom worked for uh, a beer distributor when I was you know, middle school, high school. Okay. So she worked for a Miller Light 
distributor. Okay. So my dad, we had a ke- always had a kegerator at the house, and he would get Lone Star. No, nice. oh, old school. Nice. That was the official palate cleanser of uh, hot tub <laughs> beers till those cowards refused to sponsor us. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that's sad. Now, yeah. now it's uh, now it's national standard from Tups right now. Oh, okay. That's the palate cleanser right now because a uh, friend of the show, Taylor Beasley, is repping Tups, and she always hooks us up with a palate a palate or a, excuse case. me a case, not a hundred cases. That would be nice. Cases, Taylor, well. if you're listening, that'd be okay, too. <laughs> well, Lil Snack Season's coming up. I don't want to have to remind you all again and again, but Lil Snack Season's coming up, and that's my favorite. So the, the beer we're drinking is still the, the Hammer Smash Face, but we're at the 2017 version. So for my palate, what I'm tasting, the 2017 version, the coffee is a little bit more forward in this one than it is in the last one. Um, but to me, the whiskey is a little bit more present as well. So it, it, it tampers down that bitterness of the coffee to where I'm getting both those flavors, but neither one is too aggressive to the palate. The vanilla in this one seems to be subdued a little bit to me. This might be when we had to stop using as much vanilla. Okay. Also, each year, I mean, I think the first year we did eight bourbon barrels. This is bourbon barrel age, right? Uh, I'm pretty it sure. Says, it says whiskey on the bottle. Yeah, yeah. Which so, is so voter display of power is not bur- bourbon barrel aged. Hammer smash face is. Yeah. Okay. Same, same, pretty much same recipe. Just one is barrel aged, one isn't. But each year it'd be like we do eight the first year, then we do sixteen. It'd be in multiples of eight. Sixteen the second year, and then I think we did thirty-two for the next two years. Thirty-two full whiskey barrels. Wow. And is that like a full like? Beer barrel size, like was that a full thirty one? Whiskey barrel is thirty two, about fifty three gallons. Oh wow! So, you know, it's a lot. That's a testament to the reception this beer received, right? If you had to keep growing every single year, uh, so it it, what it would mean is, you know, you'd have to you just have to brew more. Yeah, and by brewing more, like like you said, like the whiskey is a little more forward on this. Uh huh. Um, I mean, some of the barrels could have had a little more. We could have filled them a lot earlier, sooner, mm. so they could have been a little more wet. Okay. Uh, which would draw out more whiskey or, you know, until uh, late in St. Arnold's barrel aging, we never thought to roll the barrels to see if we can capture any whiskey out of it. And like, I think we had a 50-barrel run at, that we got almost a gallon and a half of Woodford at barrel strength. Oh, wow. That Aaron charcoal filtered and... We it was, it's it, very good. It's amazing. You know what? I I, I don't want to throw them in one more time, but Eleven Below did the same thing with the Yellow Rose. They yes. went through back and filtered it. You stay after hours long enough, they'll uh, they, they'll, they'll sample you a little yeah. bit. And apparently, they had like four or five gallons left oh in that barrel. God. It was a, oh my like a lot. He said the whole van was filled full of like bourbon smell on the way back to the brewery. Yeah, if you can't, if you don't do that, then you're definitely it's going to water down the beer, and it's just going to make it hot. Yeah. And we also, I think, I'm pretty sure with both of all of these beers, we also blended back a little bit of the original beer. So, because I always find that barrel aged oh, beers. Oh, that's cool. Barrel aged beers actually come off a little hot and a little thin, mm-hmm. you know, the longer they sit in there. So, so a little so bit of would, a soul. We would brew a batch and then put, uh, you know, a small amount. We'd figure out the, the amount that we would need to, to blend back into it. And then the, the rest of that batch would go into barrels. Okay. 
Wow. And so when you when you do that, do you like throw this back in a bright tank and recarbonate? You or have you... to throw it back. Okay, into that's a bright what I was. Tank. Yeah, and then once it's done, absolutely nuke the bright tank. So because yeah. even though it's a whiskey barrel and then shouldn't have stuff that live in it, you Still, know, you, it might. You have that chance. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and rate oh. this one. It's so hard to not finish. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been I've been trying to go as slow as I can. I love this beer. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on this one. I'm gonna go above the last one, uh, just because I liked the the coffee presence to it. Uh, but I really liked the way that the whiskey balanced it out. Like it, I, every change in that one seemed to hit the right note for me. Um, but. I'm still nervous about what I'm going to taste next. So I'm going to go 3.98 repeating. Uh, 3.98 repeating is where I'm going to be on this one, beer. Uh, Jake, what do you think? Uh, Mama ain't raised no bitch. Um, I'm going to go. (laughs) You heard it here first, Mary. (laughs) I'm actually, I'm going to go 3. um, I'm going to go 3.97. This is fantastic. I do think it's a step above uh, the 16. It's got more acidity. It's got more bitterness. It's got more complexity to it. The longer it warms up, you kind of really get more depth out of it, a lot more character out of it. The sweetness comes out when it warms up. Um, Overall, it's fantastic. And I think I rated it so low, which is so weird to say. Like, we are like 0.2 off from like 0.3 off from a perfect score. But I, I, this anticipation over the 2018 is killing me. Like, I'm, I'm so ready to go back and try that one again. But, Overall, beautiful beer. Uh, thank you for being here to share this with oh, us. Oh, absolutely. I'll say that I think this one was had had a way better mouthfeel. It was creamier to me. Also, the the heat of the barrel and the coffee working together. You know, you didn't get a harshness from from the from the whiskey because the coffee roastiness sort of blended with it. Yes. Uh, you're right. The vanilla is not there as much, but there are times when I think if it's too much vanilla, kind of comes off as an oxidative flavor fault. You know, yep. so I I think the vanilla hits where it should. Where nice. Kind of plays with the sweetness of the beer instead of like becoming like a a top note. Instead of being a showcase on vanilla, yeah. like there's beer in yeah. here. <laughs> That's cool. So I will give this, like you say, because we don't know what's coming. And the last one I gave a 3.5. I'll give this a 3.75. Right nice. Now. Nice. Nice. There we go. We're increasing. And thanks again for coming. And then we're going to take a little bit of a break right now. But we're going to come back and we're going to talk about going from the patron saint of beers to the anti-saint of beers, Brash Brewing. Are you looking for a house with a hot tub so you can be just like us? If so, you need to call Hugh Height, the Texas beer realtor. He's a craft beer fan looking to help out his fellow hopheads any way he can with their real estate needs. That's Hugh Height, txbeerrealtor.com or 281-939-8182. Welcome back. So I haven't poured yours yet. So we're, we're uh, I, well, I got your new glass, so don't worry. Okay. Yeah, don't, don't stress. So... We, we, we pride ourselves on service here at Hot Tub Beers. <laughs> so, we're still with the same beer, but we're going to the... We're on 2018, correct? 2018, 2018. We started in 2016. We're going to 2018. So, I'm going to pour yours first. 
Mr. Mandeville. The color. There Look you the go. Oh, it is different. it is getting darker. We're going to go the same there. So we started, we ended the last segment when you talking about working for the patron saint of beers yes. at St. Arnold's. Yes. Okay. Um, you talked earlier with you being a home brewer at 17, 18 years old yes. that you didn't fit in with the Foam Rangers Club because y'all were some punk rock guys, metals though. kids. I, I do love those Right, right, right. No, yeah, not, not yeah. knocking them, yeah. but that y'all were like punk rock metal kids and, and you, so you started your own club. So you moved to Brash Brewing, which might be as metal as it gets um, in the Houston area. Yes. So it may be nationally, right? We to where the point where we have beer called Black Masses that's getting protests from Catholic groups, correct? Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, the head brewer has the version of Guadalupe tattooed on his calf. This is some, like, I, I want to get into this. Tell me about Brash. Tell me about the experience there. Tell me about all the, all the metal, everything Brash. Okay, to start with the tattoo. Okay. Let's start uh, there. I was 28 when I got it. Okay. Uh, Before you found Satan? Well, <laughs> I was never super religious, but there has something to do with, you know, some of the greatest artwork that's ever been made is done, well, was the money and, and patronage was through the Catholic Church. Yes. Uh, and... You know, I, the reason why I got the Guadalupe was because, you know, it's it's a North American sort of way of looking at the Catholic religion. You know, there's there's a mixture between Catholicism and some sort of, you know... Mysticism, almost. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just like those people... Or those people. The, 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 the people who... who what is his name? Juan Torres or whatever I think is his name. That he went up the mountain and uh, found like uh, roses that weren't supposed to be blooming at that time. And so the Virgin Mary came to him. And so he put all the roses into his uh, serape and he went down the, went back down the mountain or where this, this is probably, story is probably wrong, but this is the way I I feel it happened or whatever. And when he dropped all the roses to show people what was going on and that he had talked to the Virgin Mary, the image of the Virgin Mary was on his serape or whatever. Okay. And so, you know, I felt like I had been to Shiner and I, I went to Shiner and loved, you know, Spetzel Brewing or whatever. And it was my going to the mountain and my collecting the roses or whatever. Ah, so I like that. When I when I tattooed the Virgin Mary on my leg, uh, I tattooed instead of uh, the uh, cherub. It has an armadillo with Texas flag wings, and has a the Virgin Mary is holding a a Shiner Bach bottle. So that was that was my, you know this 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 was the image that that was presented to me when I got back home. Okay. Pretty much. So, I, it doesn't have as much to do with, you know, being, you know, Christian or Catholic. It has more to do with just, I love the imagery of, you know, like the Doubting Thomas Caravaggio to where, you know, you actually see St. Thomas, is it St. P? No, it's Thomas. No, it's Doubting Thomas putting yeah, his finger putting inside his finger the, in the, the, the uh, yeah, yeah, in the spear stab, yeah. yeah. You know, that to me is amazing. 
You know, and it doesn't mean that, you know, I believe that, you know, he came, Christ came back and, well, we're getting religious. Yeah. That's Don't worry, Christ we, we, came we do back. that. We so cover that, all that, stuff. That, that imagery is just, well, it's actually kind of metal. Which we'll, it is, yeah. We'll, which we'll get to, you know, when I talk to Ben. Ben wanted to do kind of a punk rock DIY Fugazi thing. Nice. And I was like, you know, I was friends with the Three Floyds guys. And I was like, you know, there's a big thing. It's not punk rock. It's more metal, I think. You know, and Ben loves metal, too. I yeah. mean, it's not, say, he, not saying that he doesn't love metal. He said, yeah, let's do it. And so yeah. the jukebox came. We had nothing but metal in the jukebox. Which Hell we yeah. found that it was great. If you put super popular stuff in, like Black Sabbath or Metallica, you'll only hear Black Sabbath and Metallica. All day. So you have to throw in like so, Cannibal Corpse you have to throw in Cannibal Corpse you have to throw in Opeth you got to throw in like things that most non-extreme metal people would wouldn't know mm-hmm. and pull the or hide the the mainstream metal stuff mm-hmm. so As yeah because non- it's it's hard hearing Sad But True like 15 times in a night <laughs> or Inter Sandman or Inter Sandman I cannot do that song uh, anymore most of Metallica I can't do anymore because of that. Because they see it and they know it, so yeah. they want to listen to that and yeah. only that. So, speaking of metal, right? The the namesake for this beer is going to be a Cannibal Corpse lyric, correct? Yes. Yeah. Song. Cannibal an, Corpse song. Yeah. Okay. And they, an EP. So okay. Hammer Smash Face was an EP that had Hammer Smash Face on it. So why that? That was Ben's choice. Uh, is it because you get Hammer Smash Faced when you? Drink it? Uh, you can. I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so the non-barrel-aged version of this is Vulgar Display of Power, and everybody knows that that's a Pantera uh, album. Yes. But not a lot of people know that it's actually a line in The Exorcist. Really? Vulgar, you know, she displayed uh, yeah. a vulgar display. She, there was a vulgar display of power. Okay. So the demon inside of, of Linda Blair... When she was throwing yeah, up yeah, green. Yeah, when she was doing whatever. Yeah. That's so, freaking cool. So that is freaking cool. We knew that at that point in time, if anybody came to us for copyright infringement, we had an out on that. Now, Hammer Smash Face, I don't know. Well, well Cannibal Corpse hadn't gone after you yet. Uh, you know, uh, Three Floyds as well. They make Amber Smash Face, which is an American amber ale, which is, you know, that it, Cannibal Corpse came to them to have made Yo, really? Yeah. That's freaking cool. That is crazy. So that's a collab with Cannibal Corpse. Yeah. So as we're talking about cease and desist, have we told you about our <laughs> cease and desist dilemma? No. We we have this this theory that you're not really a brewery until you get a cease and desist. Correct. Right? So are we really a podcast if we haven't got a cease and desist? And so since we've politely asked Boulevard many, many times to send us a cease and desist because our logos are eerily similar. They yeah. failed to do it. They failed to do it. So uh, we're currently working on going to Boulevard with a cease and desist to tell them to stop using our logo. That's genius stuff. Yes. And hoping they'll send us a cease and desist for certain. So it's gonna we'll, be awesome. We'll see. Well, the, I got I got a defense litigation lawyer uh, on on lockdown for us. Uh, I, I hate to say retainer. I didn't pay him anything but yeah. good times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we've suck, well, you just give him a dollar, and he's your attorney. Like legally, I have to yeah, give him a yeah. dollar. If you give him if you give him a dollar, you've paid him. Then oh. ask him ask him a law question when you do it. 
All right, Scott, you're getting a a, a dollar. I'm not going to say that. That's, that's sure. well within lawyer. our budget. Can, yeah, sure yeah. He's a lawyer, he'll find a way out of it. But uh. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, he, you know what? He, I actually helped him in law school. Very, very little. Oh, okay. I didn't do much. All I did was stand on mock trial for him as the uh, oh, guy who oh. killed somebody. Okay. Uh, but I did my part, and I showed up downtown bright and early so he could have a mock trial. But I feel like that's payment, right? Yeah, I'll give him could, a dollar actually, just in case. You could actually send him an invoice and say, in lieu of payment. <laughs> And uh, rend- uh, services were rendered. You know what? Now I'm going to need another lawyer to write me <laughs> up that invoice to say in lieu of payment. Yeah. All right. This is escalating. But yeah. long it story is. short, we're, we're, we're right. working on getting Greg from Legal Draft to to write up that cease and assist. I got Scott on retainer, and then I'm hoping we'll see if this works out. I'm hoping to hand deliver this. Oh, that would be beautiful. I'm hoping to hand deliver this to Boulevard. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that can go wrong, obviously. Uh, but I'm really hoping we can do this. That'd be awesome. Well, but I think I think uh, theoretically, best case scenario would be a lot goes wrong. I think the, uh, is it because well, a lot can go wrong. Well, we need to start an LLC so that they don't like take our house, um, your house. I'm broke. yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but but uh, I think the more wrong it goes, the more publicity we get. And is there such a thing as bad publicity? Yes. Speaking of, speaking of, speaking of, yes, that's so, a great segue. Uh, Brash is a very poke the bear, very uh, brewery, and and you know, at one point in time, we made a beer called Black Metal M E D D L E, which is a uh, uh, an album by Nocmistium, which is an American black metal band, uh, and I, they're considered sort of trippy black metal, so almost. Pink Floydish and Pink like, Floyd has the album Metal M E D D L E. Yeah. So oh, cool. black metal and and so we made a black IPA named it Black Metal. Had black metal in our jukebox and we got a letter from a brewery in Central Texas that made a large format black IPA called Black Metal saying that it would be I know that brewery. It would be it would be I in don't. our best interest not to so Make this beer. What you're saying is Brash is legitimately a brewery because they got at least a pseudo well, cease and desist. We did not get a cease and desist. But and a pseudo. at one point in time I was on a tear wanting this cease and desist. <laughs> I know the feeling. And I kept telling Ben for Christmas if you could just get us a cease and desist. Oh so I feel like you've belonged here all along. At one along. point in time we were gonna make another beer, which was gonna be a differently dry hop version, I think, of Easy Seven. That we were going to call TC Jester Kings. And <laughs> By the way, that's easy, the brewery because, uh, because Easy Seven sits just off of TC Jester, mm-hmm. and it was going to be Easy Seven. By the way, is a skate park in Houston that when I was in my twenties, we would go to on a weekly basis because I was lived a big deal. I lived in Montrose, and it's it's a good 25, 30 miles away from there. You know, we would get somebody to drive us there, and we would skate it for as long and. Till we got hurt. Mm-hmm. So I had a very, a very close relationship with it. And when we started the, when Brash started making beers, I said we needed a five percent pale ale, and that's what it became. Easy Seven. That's so awesome. So yeah, TC Jester Kings never came, but I know for a fact we would have gotten the cease and desist on that one. But I mean, that's that's one of those tough ones because they sent you a pseudo cease and desist. Like they did. Hey, we don't really have grounds, but also stop using it. But it's one of those things that once you get big enough, and whereas TC, I, I mean TC, Jester Kings, they're not a huge brewery. They don't in barrelage, 
they're a huge brewery in the sense of reputation yeah. and for probably sales per you know you know dollar per barrel uh, yeah and, without a doubt yeah and so once you get to that size it gets to the point where your lawyers are saying you need to make sure that you you know you protect your your brand your, integrity your brand and your copyright and your you know your trademark so lawyers are telling just just like when uh, Lagunitas decided to sue Sierra Nevada because of a font on IPA you know to me that's incredible that that happened you know you're talking yeah. about two of the giants in craft beer you're talking about two of like the you know that they started it. Well, we got Lagunitas a little bit, you know, longer, you know, a little bit younger, but they started everything, and it ends up being they're fighting each other when they used to collaborate about a lot of stuff. If somebody needed hops, they would probably help that person. If somebody didn't have equipment, they would help with the equipment. If somebody didn't know how to fix something, they would send somebody over or maybe help them. You know, but, but and to see them fight over trademark and 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 branding. But I'm it's, sure that's just sad. the law department, right? I'm sure that's the legal department doing yes. what they do. I'm, the brewers, the brewers I, look at it and are just disgusted. Yeah, of yeah. course. You know, but also intellectual property and and, uh, and branding integrity is a big deal when you hit that level, right? But also, you have lawyers on retainer that have nothing to do. So the yeah. Brash is obviously well established in the Houston area, right? Houston still, area, still yes. until this day, they're, they're small in small amounts in Austin and Dallas. So. Did this metal attitude, did the controversy, did the kind of, like, I said anti-saint in the last segment, but there's a lot of, like, satanic imagery on a lot of the stuff. Did that help build the beer, or did that help keep it like this, like, semi-small underground success? What is what is your take on all that? You know, every I think every large city has their dark sibling. Okay. You know, black they have sheep. Their black sheep, you know. Brash is the black sheep. Um, I don't. Again, you know, it. It most of this comes from Ben's personality. Okay. You know, he is a very. He likes to see what happens. He likes to see if you poke the bear, what's going to happen. You know, I can't say that every time something happened that I was on board. In fact, you know, I've been extremely vocal sometimes to him and other people that worked at Brash at some of the things mm-hmm. uh, which probably led to the disagreements with meant you know he and I knew that we couldn't work together anymore mm-hmm. but uh, uh, you know like he asked me about the black mass thing and I thought you know the music that I listen to, I mean, it all has dark imagery and it all has, you know, just because you bring up, you know, Satan doesn't mean you follow Satan. Yeah. You know, just because, I mean, in the Bible, they bring up Satan quite a bit, right? Yes. And, I mean, if if, if you would go by the way some evangelicals are, you know, you're glorifying it by giving it light. Yes, yeah. So... Our way I like that word. Yeah, Lucifer's the light bringer anyway. Yeah. That was a nice choice of words. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I was like, I was never really a religious person, but again, like the imagery. uh, You know, uh, so. But that was the Temple of Satan that put that on, right? Yeah, but those people also, they're they're non religious. Yeah, exactly. That's what I find really cool. All they're doing is trying to open up people's eyes to, you know, like, hey, look at the other side or, Mm -hmm. you know, they, 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 and I don't want to speak for them because, you know, I'm not part of them, you know, 
Right. But they, you know, they 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 aren't religious at all, and they, yep. you know, they I don't think they believe in there was a true Satan. They may believe that there was Jesus. Yeah. You know, which. But what's is really cool though is is my favorite part about it is that this group is is so much in favor of of. Uh, taking care of animals and yeah. anti-human trafficking and there's so many good causes that they actually put themselves behind right. but the exterior image is like they hail Satan and they're trying to bring devil to earth and it's like well right. there, there's probably a few oddballs that will but the overall organization is like they don't actually believe that Satan is an actual being yeah they're, they're not agnostic they're atheist yeah. So yeah, they don't believe in God at all. So what they're trying to do is, I believe, and again, I don't want to put words in their mouths, is show the hypocrisy of you know organized, an organized religion. religion. But do they like good beer? Uh, you know, there was <laughs> a few that would show up, but we also, you know, they also like a good spectacle. Yeah, and and they love publicity, so they'll use anything they have to get that. I like so, that. And uh, brash is in favor of a good spectacle and 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 good and publicity. I wouldn't say always good. Uh, so they'll do anything to get that. And and how did that? So while you're working there, how did that impact the brewery at all? Uh, it was very positive for the brewery. I mean, it was. Yeah, there. There are zealots on either side. Yes. And after we had the. When we had the Black Mass, uh, Diana and I showed up for the Black Mass, and uh, there was a guy who was doing security, and he was on horseback in the parking lot. What? Like one of the four horsemen. It was it was insane. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I was like, this is nuts. So I knew, like, we walked up, and there's that guy on horse, and, and I was like, oh, this is how tonight's going to go. And walk in. And there are all these balloon sculptures of like uh, Baphomet, mm-hmm. uh, like dragons, and beautifully done, like amazingly done. Like if if they were of an angel instead of Baphomet, it would have been people Revered. would have it would have been oh my god how beautiful that is. But uh, you know they did the they did the black mass, uh, and we drank black mass beer. You know so. It all turned out great. You know, I don't believe anybody was turned. You know, everybody, <laughs> everybody, nobody was turned one way or the other. went in there with knowing what they know, and they left yeah. knowing exactly the same thing. So That's great. But then, you know, for the weekends after, for in fact, I think they still do it every once in a while, uh, the, the diocese... Uh, the Catholic Diocese of Houston Galveston mm-hmm. will have people across the street from the brewery uh, protesting. They still do. Really? Yeah. That's so wild. It is. Okay, it's a so, waste of resources. You know, they're standing out in the sun. We wanted to bring them water and stuff, but figured they wouldn't take it from us because they accused us of stealing holy water. And uh, I remember that. Did they really? And, yeah. Uh, that was wild. What do you call the crackers? The oh, the uh, the host the Eucharist Christ. yeah what, the, the Eucharist. Eucharist yeah they 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 uh, they said that we stole it but apparently you can buy it in Amazon in, oh yeah I think that's yeah. what it was they yeah said they bought it off of Amazon yeah well, didn't I mean, try to give them some liquid death that's no been infused with demons no 
But that's yeah. crazy. I didn't realize it had gone that far to oh, where yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the uh, Galveston Diocese was uh, was protesting you. Yeah, yeah. So I had heard some of these stories. I'm it glad you're here because officially the diocese, right? But it was church Catholic, Catholic Catholic members. Yeah, yeah, parishioners. Yeah, that's interesting. Like so. I'm Catholic as well. Full disclosure, right? I went to mass. No I went to mass last I mean, night. Uh, I'm, I'm drinking Hammersmith Faith this morning. Um, so, but it's it's. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I I enjoy the spectacle of it. I the, yeah. it's it, it's kind of it's kind of funny to me that uh, people get worked up over this, and it's it's not. To me, it's just about making noise and having a good time. I'm good at that. Unless, unless, I, unless I'm reading something different or I'm missing something, uh, there, there, there doesn't ever seem to be any foul play. There doesn't ever be seem to be any malintent. It's just like, hey, look at us. This is what we're doing. And there's some great art um, and incredible fucking beer. <laughs> so when you said, like, spectacle, mm-hmm. uh, one Sunday I was in New Orleans and went to the cathedral in Jackson Square. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and the wife. It's beautiful too. It is. It's amazing, and through the full mass, the the procession on the way in was like, you know, a a, a parade during Mardi Gras. Yeah. So when you say spectacle, I mean somebody who's not uh, familiar with the Catholic Church w- could actually go to a Catholic mass and say, think if they go to a Latin Catholic mass. Oh yeah. They would think that. Holy! This is a spectacle here. Yes, mm-hmm. you know. So again, it's all in the eyes of the beholder. Right, right. It it is. It, it is. But but I love Which the imagery. Rash, Rash should probably make a beer called "Eye of the Beholder." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, yeah. We, then that needs to be a collab I'll, with us, Brash. I'll, te- I'll, te- I'll text because uh, that's, that's the other thing that we need in order to become a real podcast is a collab with a brewery. Oh yeah. You know what? I've been thinking about this since we started. How cool would it be to bring in Vince and Jonathan Shannon into the same room with us and oh. talk about old two hundred year old books and brewing? I don't have two hundred year old books. I but Jonathan like, Shannon does. You know, I have I think the nineteen thirty eight version of the practical brewer by the Do you really? Brewers Associate. Yeah, I, it's one of those things after a while you just start collecting like going on eBay or, or like uh, Abe Books or whatever and mm-hmm. finding, you know, the one I have, what I guess used to be at a library that they're like, well, the, the new edition's out, so yeah, we need to get it. rid of this. So I have to say this is, is go back and listen to the Patience episode with okay. Jonathan Shannon. Do you know Patience Brewing? I'm, I am not aware. I uh, really need to get you a bottle. Where are they from? Phenomenal. They're local Houston area, here. yeah, just they're around not the corner. A full. Like license sales tax, like a nano. They're they're a merchandise yes. company that gives you beer okay. with your merchandise. Correct. Okay. But so the, he he does this. He did this really cool project, uh, Micro Hunter, where he he was trying to find old wood in an antique store to age his beer on as more of like a joke, kind of yeah. fun. Say joke, but kind of like an interesting project. Couldn't find the wood. Ended up going through and smelling beers and I'm sorry, books. And he found a book that he really liked the smell of. So we aged the beer on it, and it got great. Great uh, attraction. Got a lot of stuff yeah. on it. So he's on his fourth iteration. Well, the first book was, uh, I think he said like $600. He bought for $4. And it was a 100-year-old book. Well, this last one was like a $900 book he bought for, once again, 4 or $5. Yeah. But he's doing it specifically for that smell and that taste of this specific uh, uh, book or threshold of flavor. 
And the way he looks at it is so unique and artistic, but he's very, very scientifically minded. And gotcha. so to get you two in the same room with oh. me and Tim poking the bear, you know, so to speak at this moment, that would be one of the coolest things in the world is to create something of that caliber. I already have an idea. All right, well, Jonathan, I know you're listening. Do a, do a pitch line bourbon barrel and do a true IPA. Like, oh, so you would... You would, I was going to cut you off, you but would, I'm not. I'm done now. Go ahead, keep going. Yeah, keep you, going. <laughs> you you hop it like it's about to go around Africa to India. Okay. And you have to. So that means you'd have to have uh, uh, temperature control. So it would start off at 60, and then it would get hot, and then it would get cold again, and then it would get hot again, and I think it would stay hot and all the way into India. So, and I we would have to figure out in the. 17 how 1800s how long it would take a ship to go from england to my to god India. i love this we just we just oh my that's how ipas were we just that's how IPA, the, the english yeah. ipa was made and uh the only reason it was done that way is because it had to make it to india for the soldiers that were there yeah so when the soldiers came back they were drinking english beer and they're like it's too sweet Mm-hmm. What the hell? This is way too sweet. With I their hate it. Shitty malting techniques. Yeah, so they're porters. drinking porters, which was just you know beers, the dregs of beers mixed together, you know. Yeah. And so they're like, we want IPAs, and so I guess Bass and you know whoever was around then finally decided, okay, I guess we're gonna have to make this beer, you know, and age it in pitch line barrels and hop it. So it would be really cool. I mean, we could get like a five gallon barrel and figure it out i'm so fucking in well like, many I'm, many times on this podcast i like like part of my role is to kind of bring it back to what we're doing nope that was that was the absolute first time <laughs> where i was like i wanted to bring it back to what we we're doing and then i listened to what you're saying it's like fuck no i'm just gonna let it go that is a I mean, phenomenal yeah, idea. yeah that was that's that's beautiful hey, vince cheers that's what yeah, you're here for some of that yeah absolutely so now having established how we're going to collab with both uh vince mandeville and patience brewing I want to talk about Hammer Smash Faced. We're 16, 17. We're on the 18 version. So, to me, 18 version. 2018 version, not 18th version. Correct, correct. 2018 version. Vanilla has jumped back in. Very creamy mouthfeel, even more than the last. Um, Coffee has taken a step back, and it's whiskey and vanilla with coffee back in the background to me. I can see that. It seems thinner than... Really? 2017 to me. Think so? I think I've yeah. been in this hot tub too long then. I think I might. <laughs> That's okay. Brain. We got another segment to go. Sweet. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to... Just jump in. I'm going to go ahead and rate it. What I went 398 repeating on the last one. I'm going to rate this one the exact same, I, but for different reasons. I, the vanilla back up, the coffee back down, and the whiskey back up. Dude, I love it. It is like everything is relaxing. I'm sinking into the hot tub. Yeah, this is what I want. This is what I want. I'll follow that up. Uh, I'm gonna actually jump up quite a bit here. We're okay, three point nine nine. Right. Okay. It's a point oh two difference there. It is. Uh, <laughs> repeating. No, not repeating. This is solid. Okay. Is, so I like the characteristics. 
characteristics of this one better. It's it's more acidic. It's more rounded. Uh, you do get more vanilla, and I'm hypersensitive vanilla, but this doesn't break that threshold. It's there. It's noticeable, but it's not overwhelming. Uh, the coffee does take a little bit of a back seat, but I think that's a platform. I don't think it's hidden. I think it's a platform that everything stands on. Uh, okay. Um, it's fantastic. It's nostalgic. Um, the only reason I wouldn't give this one a 4.0 is because I am so excited to try the 19. Yeah. See where that where that lands. Uh, but quite frankly, the sadistic side of me really wants to add um, like a nice shot of like Calvados or bourbon to this. Uh, like I, I want to take this one to the next level. In fact, I might have to start searching for more bottles to do that. Jake's sadistic slash metal side wants yeah. to add whiskey slash masochistic. I want to myself masochist. too. It metal it up a bit. Yeah. <coughs> All right, I Vince. Like where are you at? I liked 2017 a little bit better. I think it was because it was a little more coffee forward. This one, like 2016, has a little more of a, a tartness to it. Uh, and like I said, it, it, it tastes a little less, it has a little less of a body. Um, I almost get like a, a peppery note at the very, very finish of it. Uh, and I think that's definitely coming from the barrel. Uh, and taking, to, taking into consideration we had twice as many barrels as the year before. That's more blend back. Okay. That's more chance of barrel funk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I like barrel funk though, so I might be a little. Yeah, I think the tartness kind of takes away from the sweetness, which probably makes it th- seem like the body isn't as much for me. It isn't as bulky. Okay. Uh, the last one I gave a two point seven five. You did. I'll give this one a two point seven four. Two point seven four. I'm I'm not I'm not going to take anything away from it. I mean, it's still to me just a touch behind. I mean, the idea of giving something a 4.0, which is this, the highest in the scale, or is mm-hmm. it 5? No, 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 no. 4.0. 4. It's a, four? It's a yeah. perfect score. All the other losers I mean, use 5. We use 4.0. Four. I, I, see, I, I'm not a, I wouldn't be afraid of 3.75s. I, a 4.0 is a perfect beer. I've had them. Absolutely em. perfect. Uh, when you're in the hot tub. Oh yeah. No. The longer you're in the hot tub, the, the longer they are. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back with the last hammer smash face in the vertical and talk a little bit about Eighth Wonder and the future of Vince. Here at Hot Tub Beers, we have declared the pandemic over, and when the dust has settled, this old draft shop is still standing. This unique craft beer bar, located at 5210 FM 2920 in Spring, Texas, is still pouring some of the best beer in the state. And in spite of everything that's been thrown at the beer and restaurant industry lately, owner Mary Thorne has continued to create a community of clientele that makes you feel at home every time you step in the doors. Beer buyer Jake Thorne is continually bringing in incredible offerings, sure to impress everyone from the new kid on the block to the most seasoned craft beer aficionado. Haven't been able to find a beer you like? Their selection of ciders, wines, and seltzers will not disappoint. Beer is not the only trick this pony plays. No one in the area can rival the food coming out of the kitchen. From Vietnamese wings to oyster pole bows to brats with house-made sauerkraut, there is something for everyone in the family. Check out the menu at thistledraftshop.com and follow on Instagram at thistledraftshop. Pop on in. I'm sure we'll see you there. So here we go. Last segment of the day. We are moving on 
to we started in 16, moved to 2017, last segment was 18, now we're 2019. Hammer Smash Face, brewed by Vince Mandeville. Wait, I'd like to brewed by Robbie Cummings. Ah, I apologize. Um, all of them were brewed by Robbie Cummings and Alan Snyder. I you didn't brew. I when I was there, the the way I mean, when you hire a brewer, if you're doing the brewing work, what are they paying paid for, right? Agreed. So, not like I didn't want to help them or anything. Once Alan left, you know, I I would be pulling the grain and uh, you know doing the the support roles to yeah, help them yeah. become so better. He, so that Robbie would be doing all the brewing. Now that I've moved on to Eighth Wonder, I'm doing all the brewing, and it took me a good six months, eight months to get you know the muscle memory back. Not like, well, it takes me four to five days after a brew to get uh, my body back in mm-hmm. in shape. The problem is, is I brew every day, so uh, my body's never back in shape. Yeah. <laughs> Brewing is a young man's game. Yeah. So okay, so I'm glad you said that. Well, Robbie so Cummings, each each one of your transition, Alan Snyder, Robbie James Cummings, Mc, James McDonald, those Alex Snyder, and James McDonald the are the brewers, brewers of at, this beer at, at Brash. Yes. Your brainchild, their hard work. Yes, is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I put hard work too. Well, no, no, no yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I apologize. But I don't, don't want to take. I don't want to take all all the accolades. So you went and if from. It sucks, I don't want to take all the all the jeers either. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, have I don't to say know. This. Alan's great to play disc golf with. If you ever get the chance, Alan's great to play disc golf with. I'm not much into the golf disc. The golf disc, yeah. which was one of the old guys at St. Arnold uh, didn't didn't have a command of the English language, and he would call it golf disc and not disc golf. So that's amazing. Yeah. So your career has taken this turn from where you were. 17-year-old home brewer. Yeah. You're moving up to a bartender, yeah. managing a bar. Yeah. You go into brewing at St. Arnold. Yeah. Move up to QAQC in St. Arnold. Barrel aging. Barrel QAQC. aging. Okay. Then you move into head brewing. Brewer. Head brewer head at brewer Brash. Head brewer at Brash, yeah. Okay. And part owner. And, and part owner. Yeah. Okay. So then... There's a story in there that needs to be told between segments, and then you go to Eighth Wonder, which is where you're at now. Yes. Back as a head brewer, correct? Right. Are you part owner at Eighth Wonder now? No, 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 no. So just employed as a a head brewer. Right. And you mentioned this is the young man's game. So you're up there lifting bags of grain, doing the whole thing all over again. How's it it feel to be back on that end? Well... When I left St. Arnold in 2013, maybe 2014, I weighed 250 pounds, maybe a little more than 250 pounds. I had like a 44 waist. Okay. Uh, by the time I left Brash in 2020, November of 2020, I was down to 185. And now in, what what is it, February of 2022... 2022. I'm at 175 and a 34 waist. So, wow. it uh, I feel healthier than I ever have. Good. Oh wow! Uh, nice. Cheers to you, man. Too. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate that. 
Um, Being set in a hot tub. Yeah. Well, where we all look <laughs> I, our healthiest. I've known Vince for the better part of a decade. I yeah. have to tell you, you really do look very healthy. And like, I'm actually envious because I'm going the opposite direction right Come now. Come on now. <laughs> well, I, I'm envious, man. That's badass. You know, Brock, when I, about a year into brewing for him, let me in on a secret that, you know, you can't drink it all. Yep. There's no way you can drink it all. And for the next. I'd say 15 years, I was trying to prove him wrong. <laughs> and so now I've, I've decided that, you know, he was right. Yeah. You can't drink it all. And it's better to be uh, choosy on what you drink than it is to just, you know, I'll, I'll taste everything on your tap wall, which is 20. Yeah. How many tap? How many taps at uh, Thistle Draft? Sixty. Yeah. See, I can't drink all of that. Well, that and the whole collection is over two hundred, and we change yeah. twenty to forty a week. Yeah. It's Don't get me wrong; it's exhausting. I get. Ladies left. and gentlemen, you need to go to Thistle Draft House. Huh. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing food. Uh, ama- amazing tap list. I'm uh, left. You can you can buy packaged beer to go. Uh, just a wonderful place to be. We need to get him on recording that one. Yeah, we need to we need to take that segment and that and was put it yeah that was a that was a new commercial. So they they leave me I say they it's the whole beer industry they they leave me about twelve to twenty four samples every single week for the last four years. Yeah. I promise you, you cannot taste them all, and I did for a while. And you get that's my job is to separate out the disgusting beers from the great beers. You can't drink every bit of every one you could take you could drink the samples oh without a doubt yeah. but also you have to learn how to draw lines before you get yourself in trouble and my line is i don't drink at home i just i don't unless there's a special event i have that I same don't. i have that same line and honestly don't i highly recommend it for anybody that's not tim because we drink at his house yeah yeah, so, yeah this so is you, my home you keep drinking at home yeah i will but draw that line somewhere because yes we don't talk about this often but Keeping yourself healthy and and away from severe addiction is a, a really big deal, and a, a lot of times to curb a lot of that is to draw that single invisible line for you, and it's different for everybody. But for me and Vince, it's don't drink at home, and that's it's a huge line because I would go home, and this is not even a joke. When the pandemic hit, I would drink about twelve cans of seltzer. Uh, with a couple beers every single night because I had nothing to do. So you're talking anywhere between, cheese, anywhere between about 10 to 18 beers every single day until I hit a point where I was doing about 24 a day. And it's it's disgusting for your body. It's not good for your health. You, you have to draw a line somewhere. And that was my line. Cut off the biggest problem. Well... And thank you for your your, your plug now because we're now we're complying with Spotify's new rules as inspired by both Neil Young and Joe Rogan. Um, when when I started this episode, like so, our uh, our 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 platform right is Anchor, which is run through Spotify. And so when I started today, there was new rules. Or like, click to check our new rules. Here's a whole set of new rules, and so we can't promote alcoholism as being able to save your life. Well. Like Jake was saying, that we our, our access to alcohol is is at a dangerous level. It is. It, well, it's oh, beyond absolutely. our access. It's it's a surplus. It's yeah. shoved down our throats. And I told you guys in 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 the uh, in the the intermissions that you know I had a friend who was a huge person in the industry that ended up a cautionary tale. Yes, absolutely. And that caused me to rethink the way I live my life and 
not saying that I, you know, I eat healthy or I exercise or anything, but the idea that you have to set rules if you're going to be using alcohol and using alcohol to excess, there needs, you need to have rules for yourself in order to make sure that you don't become one of those cautionary tales. Well, and I think hopefully, hopefully what people pull away from this podcast is that this is just fun to taste and enjoy. This is fun to taste the flavors and to enjoy the experience. And so obviously there are times in the podcast where we have gotten far by far beyond uh, tasting and enjoying. The day took a hold and we went with it. <laughs> the, the, the day definitely takes yeah, a hold. They go with so. it. Yeah. Or, or at 11, 11 below. below. <laughs> or, yeah. <laughs> so there, there are different, there are different versions of it, right? But I, th- I think what, what we both enjoy and why the podcast was started was just, there's this common love of just, the flavors that come through and the artistry of the beer and not not just the artistry but the science behind it as well and and the history as well and all that hopefully takes uh takes root in the listeners um especially when we're bringing people on like legends of the houston beer industry like vince here Uh, legends of the u.s brewing industry well, you 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 keep you keep mentioning like all right, so your buddies with guides at uh, Three, Three Floyds. Floyds. I'm not name dropping. This is this is just an in passing. Oh, absolutely. No, 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 no. <laughs> and, and I'm not meaning it that way. But to sit back as a a fan of the industry and listen to these stories is fun. Uh, so we've talked about listener supporter John several times. Yeah. He's friends with some of the guys at Three Floyds as well, so he comes back with zombie dust for us every once in a while. And we are um, getting him on the podcast. He refuses me every time I talk to him, two to three times a week. Yeah. He refused me yesterday, but I know he listens every single day. He's getting on this podcast. Well, he does He does listen, and so like he brought beers specifically for an episode, some fresh hop beers, and his only complaint about the episode was that we talked about him too much. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it took a few, you know proddings from you guys to get me here you know i'm not i know it probably sounds on this podcast like i like talking but you know i, I really don't like you know it's but that's that's a- part of the fun of this louder than words right yeah so. unless you're on a podcast and then well yeah, actions don't uh, do shit. yeah. But, but that's so that's well, part of the know. fun if about you it drink too much the action of drinking too much could really speak a lot louder oh on a podcast shit <laughs> <laughs> But the, but 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 getting you here, like in the hot tub, all pretense is stripped away, right? Yeah. So we can sit here and kind of relax and enjoy each other, which is why, like, I I love the fact that you finally agreed to get in with us, right? And so you're sitting in here, we're we're drinking beers that were your brainchild at Brash, but you don't work for Brash anymore. No, you work for Eighth Wonder Brewing, and we've had we we did one episode of one of your beers. We did high grade. Okay, absolutely loved it. Okay. Uh, phenomenal beer. Uh, but there are that's not the only beer that's 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 coming out of Eighth Wonder. What's coming out of Eighth Wonder? What what are you doing to leave your mark at Eighth Wonder right now? Um He's peeing on everything. Oh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh you guys don't have that blue dye from the top <laughs> of you. You would know by now. Okay. <laughs> no. Um you know, it's just like uh it's really you can't say that any one person's recipe, like I could come up with a recipe, but it's not my, you know, it's not my beer because it touches hundreds of hands before, not hundreds, mm-hmm. but touches many hands before it actually makes it into package and out to the customer. You know, 
Uh, so yes, I had probably the largest hand in creating the recipe for high grade. You know, Ryan and Aaron trusted me. They were like, hey, we would like to do a West Coast IPA. And so I came up with a recipe for it. You know, Emma and I brewed it. Uh, we have Isaac in the cellar who does all the dry hopping. Uh, he cellared it his way, you know, because I could have said, hey, we, we need to dry hop it, you know, at this day, at this temperature and blah. But I let him do it because I was really enjoying the dry hopping from the beers that I tasted off the tap wall at Eighth Wonder. So I'm like, no, you should do it your way because I love the aroma that you're getting. Yeah. And so... It's a beautiful way of doing it, too. That is, yeah. That's pretty cool, yeah. I mean, one, you know, my strong suit might not be cellaring. I mean, I've done a lot of cellaring, but... And if people don't know what cellaring is, it's anything done uh, during fermentation of the beer. It, it could be... Uh, closing off a tank to add CO2. It could be taking a tank from uh, a fermentation temperature down to a crash temperature, which would be like 68 to 32. It could be a lot of things. Dry hopping happens during uh, during cellaring. Uh, uh, racking, which moving from one tank to another, happens during cellaring. Uh, taking it off yeast, centrifuging, just straight moving from tank to tank so there's a lot in the flavor of beer that happens during that time a brewer pretty much just makes sugar water that's all you're doing okay it doesn't start becoming beer until you add the yeast the yeast does that work so well vince you make a damn good sugar water hey man i'm good at making sugar <laughs> yeah. water you should that was, my cocoa. that was the, <laughs> that was the probably the most humble humble uh humble. description of uh brewing this is, this is texas but it's humble I can't say humble. No, it's humble. Humble, humble is a city, right? Yeah. Uh, no, humble is it's humble. Humble, is, humble a city. is a city. Humble yeah. is a feeling. Wait, Palestine uh, not a is feeling, Palestine is in Texas. Wait, Palestine is in Texas. Palestine is in the Middle East. Yeah, but yeah. where's Mars? Is there life on Mars? Well, I mean, there's Mars, Texas. Yeah, I'm oh. sure there's a there's like what twenty of them life right there on Mars, Texas. <laughs> There might be life on Mars. It's frozen underneath the surface. (laughs) So, uh, before we did high grade, we did uh, Viper, which is a pale ale with Citra. And it's dry hopped with uh, a new uh, uh, hop hash. What do they call that stuff? Cryo. Uh, Cryo Called Cryo Pop. Yep. Uh, Okay. So that was tap. I, right now, there's a whole bunch of tap room only stuff that is happening, and that's just to see what the the uh, local customers, the 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 regulars think. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so we did three different versions of a pilsner. Okay. And now we're gonna do a fully packaged version of Otto. Ah, I like uh, that beer. Which is Italian for eight. Uh, uh, which is going to be uh, just a hoppy pilsner. Mm-hmm. In the vein of an IPL, maybe a cold IPA, which I'm not sure. the I, I've, I've been looking at the difference between cold IPA and IPL. 
and I can't find that much of a difference. Literally got in this discussion not even like four days ago. I can't see why it's not an IPL. I mean, it, right. is it lagering yeast? Is it hybrid yeast? Is it? I mean, it's it's it fermented lager, cold. It's but it's log. I thought it was lagered yeast at a warmer temperature than what would be. So would that be considered it's almost steamish? I was about to say, is that considered it's almost steam? like a yeah? So why wouldn't somebody just do a hoppy steam? I don't know. You use San Francisco lager yeast. You can't call it a steam because it's uh, trademarked through through Anchor Brewing Company. Yeah. You could call it a common. Yes. So what what yeast are you using? Because Kvik has been such a main a, a main part of the I, industry. I know a lot of people like that yeast, but I always maybe it's because I know how that yeast is fermented that I always maybe in my mind come up with flavor falls like flavor faults. Yeah. That, you know, wow, this is fermented hot. But, I mean, it can ferment at, what, like 106? But it can yeah. also ferment at, like, 40-something. Sure, but... It's got a huge range. Yes. I haven't, I haven't most, tasted too many beers time, of that that I'm a fan of. If you it that low, why use that yeast? Because the reason why you're using that yeast is because you could speed up fermentation. If you, if you ferment it that low, you're going to slow down a fermentation. But maybe, I mean, this is outside perspective, maybe it's the versatility of having it on hand without having to procure or cultivate yeast. Yeah. That. I mean, this is. That's true. But then you start getting into. All right, then we're not going to change anything. So that gets out of the craft version. It gets into the. We're finding easier ways, quicker ways, more I've consistent that. ways. So, uh, you know, St. Arnold did that whole thing about the movable yeast series, and it was amazing to see the difference between the St. Arnold yeast and whatever they were using. Are uh, you a fan of the St. Arnold house yeast? Uh-oh. Give me something raw, because I'll, look, I'll uh, start it off. I don't care for the flavor it puts out, and maybe that's just me. It it it. it it has a very sweet fruit flavor to me. I get a very funky, skunky flavor. Oh, really? Yeah, I get... Maybe it's because I... Because you got used to it for so long? I, yeah. yeah. Well, I like, your, I like your definition of craft there, right? So where it changes from... Even a craft brewery can change from craft into something commercial by trying to find the easy way to do it, right? Craft is... Hey, where, where do we go to uh, Five Stones? We're talking about, like, chopping each individual fruit and roasting the uh, oranges or whatever it was on or the pineapples is what it was because they had a pineapple uh, jalapeno uh, ale that they did there. That was pretty late in the day. I'll that was pretty, yeah, it was pretty late me in the day. Me and Justice got but into they, it. Did they roast <laughs> the pineapples? They roasted the pineapples yeah, on a grill. Yeah, those sugars. That's really yeah. cool. It is. So, so you, you that, that's something that's what's cool about this industry when you is that large, you're though, it's hard to do that straight craft because one your customers expect consistency and you're talking if you're if if the mm-hmm. brewer is roasting those pineapples themselves yes i mean all it takes is oh this one was on 15 seconds too long so it so at eighth wonder is because I don't, I don't think any breweries uh goal is to make as little money as possible, right? right. You want to be sustainable and be profitable, uh, but it, at the same time, stay true to your craft crowd. Um, at 8th Wonder, what are you doing to stay true to the craft crowd, but 
keep it as consistent and push as much volume as you can? That's a great question. Um, when that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Too we good. we were still probably the only brewery of our size to still harvest yeast in buckets and wash each each batch's yeast uh, before pitching. Oh wow! Okay, I mean and. That is amazingly craft, and now the only reason why you're doing that is to ensure that your yeast is clean. You know, you doesn't carry the last beer's flavor into the next. Well, that and there's no wild yeast. There's no okay, no bacteria because you're washing it down to a pH that's lower than that bacteria can live. Okay, so um, is the difference 13 barrels and 120 barrels? The the difference at Eighth Wonder is it's a 20-barrel system. Oh, really? That's yeah. way smaller than I thought. And Brash was a 30-barrel system. And when I first started, St. Arnold was a 30-barrel system. Yeah. And now they're at a 120-barrel, four-vessel four system. So yeah. you went to a smaller brew system, but putting out more volume. At one point in time, this is before the pandemic, which, by the way, the pandemic really messed with the brewing industry so if Everything. you can support your local breweries as much as you can because Amen. those those people are working their asses off just to get beer out for you and a lot of times now because of uh you know the the lack of money coming in they had to let a lot of people go so they're doing it with a smaller workforce so please you know, go to your local breweries, go to your, your local tap houses, and order local beer. So Agreed. Uh, um, Agreed. What, were, what was that one? About? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about brew sizes. But brew yes. sizes, yeah. yeah. Uh, so at one point in time, uh, Eighth Wonder was actually, you know, there were almost 10,000 barrels, which with a 20-barrel system, they were brewing more batches at the time, batch-wise, not size-wise. But batch-wise, more than St. Arnold was. Oh, wow. Which, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So wow. They, they, were, they, 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 they pushed they through the three. pandemic pretty hard. Yeah. Like, they had these mini kegs that you could come and get. Right. Like, I, I did go visit Eighth Wonder fairly regularly during the pandemic. Eighth Wonder and Eleven Below were probably the two that I hit the I, most during I the pandemic. You, I think that both that No Label and Eureka Heights also did, like, an amazing yes. job with, uh, you know— the struggle with you know with just bringing money in they eureka must have made like 30 different beers oh yeah actually we sat down and talked to them and i loved to yeah, revisit that one but yeah they were literally at the point where it's like hey we have a free tank keep brewing which keep is brewing. phenomenal one it keeps people on the floor yep. working two it, it's something new that people through the drive through are going to come and see. Oh, yeah. You and know? I think that's where Buenos Amigos came from was, was part of that. It was yeah. like they, they, they kept brewing and they found something that stuck, which is a sidestep to Taco Tuesday. Yeah. But, man, it's such a cool thing to, to see that happen. It's so. Oh, yeah, we better get in. No, 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 you're fine, but can I, I want to talk about to Steve? this. Yeah, absolutely. So Steve, how do you Steve is packing up and he's going up. Fraga. So Steve Fraga is uh, packing up right now. He, uh, he did a phenomenal job taking photos of our ugly asses today. Uh, absolutely love it, but we want to give him a quick shout-out. Steve Fraga, badass photography. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. You guys are awesome. Absolutely. Epic, epic 
podcast in the brewing here. Hell yeah, dude. Thank you. And so, like, so we want to get back to this. The this is the last hammer smash phase pre pandemic, yeah. which we've been kind of harping on right now. Yes. And so, what I'm tasting is completely different than the three before. Okay, um, it is almost super creamy, super vanilla. Uh, there, the 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 whiskey to me has taken a backseat to the vanilla. This is more vanilla forward. I've almost lost the coffee on this one. To me, um, it is a completely different flavor profile than the other three. Um, I enjoy it, but I enjoy it for this. Is, and I know this is weird to say because it's the same beer, but for completely different reasons than I do enjoy the other one. I'm gonna I'm gonna rate this one. This is the first time I might go back and do retro ratings. Uh, yeah, I was actually thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I'm completely so, different. Okay, so you're you're okay. So I love this. Okay, so I'm gonna rate the previous two. I'm gonna rate 17 and 18. I'm gonna go back and put them at 4.0. Those two to me were the best two that I tasted today. Those two to me, if I could have those every time I get in the hot tub, I would be a happy man. This one, I'm gonna rate. The lowest, but not because I dislike it, just because there's different things about this one that don't put it as high as the other two. Um, I want more whiskey in there. I want more coffee in there. This one seems uh, the vanilla forward, but I like it a lot. Uh, It is still super creamy. It is still super nice. I'm going to go 3.789 repeating. On this one, uh, and that's where I'm going to go with 2019, and then I'm going to hand it off to uh, Jake Thorne. This one's going to be a little bit more confusing for me. Um, 2018 had such a better aesthetic when it's poured. It's one of those things I really loved about Brash is when you pour an abide, it's so aesthetically pleasing. It's so beautiful. That head is just dark, dark brown. It's like gorgeous, like espresso colored. Um, with this beer, I feel like there's definitely a bit more carbonation than the 16, uh, a bit more bitterness. I think the espresso, I'm sorry, the coffee lends itself more on the espresso level, which kind of has this uh, full range across the tongue rather than the okay. tip of the tongue. It's really got a, a bigger range in this beer, which I enjoy, but I think overall I actually enjoyed 18 better than I enjoyed this. And this is, I mean, if this was standalone, this is a perfect score. But now that I see what I like better, the 2018 is a, is a 4.0, and this is my 3.9899. You know, it's, uh, it's fantastic. It's well-brewed. The vanilla sticks out more. I'm vanilla-sensitive, so I probably would have preferred it a little bit less. But overall, super well-balanced, and there's not a single dud in this whole series. I mean, it is, without a doubt, this one of my favorite fun. series at all. And I've, I've put this to Tim, and I'll put this out there on, on air. I think King of Terrors is better than So Happens It's Tuesday. He disagrees. I disagree. But I also I still think like Hammer, King of Terrors. I think Hammer Smashed is better than King of Terrors. No offense, <sighs> Seth. I have a lot of those King of Terrors in my, my cooler. But I think Hammer Smashed is the, the pinnacle of what uh, a stout of this caliber could be. I mean, it's absolutely highlighting everything you can do in it, especially when you talk about the four years involved. So, thank you, Vince. (laughs) And now you're on the spot, sir. So, this tastes, because it's the freshest, it tastes the freshest to me. Yep. Yes. And you get the coffee. You get the vanilla. You get the whiskey barrel. You get the lactose. You get everything that's in this beer. 
but not one thing actually peaks out the most. Okay. Which to me makes it the best. The depth ah. of it, the depth of it is each time you take a sip, you get a different a different value pops out that wasn't there maybe in the first sip. So for me, that makes it better than the rest. Nice. You know, so the whiskey is in there, but it's not the number one thing you think of. Correct. You know, it's it's to me it's all melded and blended together the the way I feel it should be. You know, if we wanted it to be a vanilla stout, we would have called it a vanilla stout or a coffee stout. Yes. Or this is the mixture of every single one. And because I, it feels like that, that barrel flavor isn't as pronounced as the others, to me, it does come off creamier. It comes off with more body. You know, maybe it it's just in my mind, I taste barrel means it's, it's you know, it's it's... It's a little thinner. No, I would agree with you. Like this one has the most body of of all four. I, I'm just tasting. To me, like I said, like the the vanilla is 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 prominent on this one. Well, wow. And, and like I told you before, yeah. uh, vanilla. If vanilla is in the forefront for me, yeah, uh, I consider it tastes like a flavor fault. Yeah, yeah. It tastes like oxidation. Here, it's just enough to add to the sweetness of the beer. I love it. Agreed. You know, the whiskey is just enough to add to a little heat. You know, the coffee is just enough to balance off the heat from from the uh, from the whiskey. And the lactose gives the sweetness to, to build the body. This, I believe, is the best of, of all of them. So is this your 4.0? That's it's, what I'm wondering. It is a 3.8. Oh. oh. He's one of those people. <laughs> Can't admit perfection. I haven't seen it yet, so. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm looking forward to finding Vince's perfection. I am, I am as well. Like, in, in, in Vince, in all honesty, like, it has been... An absolute pleasure to have you in the hot tub with us to to drink your beer, to be able to talk back and forth, uh, to agree, disagree, debate, and love the entirety of the conversation. To have the highest rated episode in our history. Yes, like this is this is some pretty cool stuff. This is a lot of what fun. Like our beer ratings. the beer rating. This is without a doubt the highest we've ever had in oh. a single episode. Yes, absolutely. And so it's it, it's it's fun to have you here. It's fun to have that Houston beer hit beer history there's a lot of stories told on this podcast that people need to listen to uh people need to understand if if you enjoy houston beer and you don't know these stories then you don't really enjoy houston beer uh this is part of our history this is part of who we are this is part of uh this is part of our culture here in houston and man thank you very much for being a cultural icon and taking the time to step into the hot tub with us and really enjoy us and share that history um we appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts without a doubt i enjoyed every second of it and i uh, really appreciate you guys asking me absolutely and, now and following through to get me here yeah <laughs> uh, we're, and we're yeah we're gonna keep bugging you because we want you back uh for a uh eighth wonder episode hopefully fact, a brock episode we would like to take the truck pull it into that big eighth wonder backyard and have you sit in the back of the uh, inflatable pool in the back of the truck well, uh in the back you of eighth have wonder to have ryan and aaron involved with that too. oh absolutely and I have a lot of mics. Stuff Hell yeah, dude. Houston beer. Without, you know, and you know, those guys are like really in tune with, you know, the Houston hip hop stuff, you know. Yes. Uh, Bun uh, B uh, and uh, Paul Wall you know, and Slim uh, Thugs. Slim, yeah, he, they're, 
In fact, we're making boss beer for uh, Slim Thug. Uh, can I can just, I ask this question? What is it going to be better than the last time boss beer was made? I I hope so. I made last year's boss beer. I didn't try last year's boss beer. Uh, <laughs> I need to go back and try this because I did not like please, the first iteration at all. Please. Uh, and that's a pineapple kolsch? It is a pineapple wheat. Wheat. Okay, yeah. pineapple wheat. I remember, I think Santa Fe made Mr. Pineapple. Who made Mr. Pineapple? Santa Fe Brewing? I have no idea. Boulevard did Bulu, which was their pineapple wheat. Uh-huh. But I don't know Mr. Pineapple. So, yeah, that, that gets made on Tuesday. Um, yeah, and that uh, it's hopefully going to make it in time for the rodeo. So that oh, nice. Burns Barbecue could have Mr. Boss for their interesting. The Speaking of using culture, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Which is which is great then, that we have that back. Like there was that was a, when when that got canceled during the pandemic. That's when you heard the collective sigh from Houston, like oh fuck, this is real. Yeah, uh, because that's that's like Houston without the rodeo is. I don't know. It, it it seems like almost a year wasted sometimes. Yeah. Um, but man, thank you again. If it, those of you that are listening, uh, make sure that you're following us on Instagram. Make sure that you're passing this podcast on to anybody that that you know that enjoys beer, Houston beer, Texas beer, beer in general. Uh, if you click the link in our bio on Instagram, you get a link tree. You can find us on any podcatcher that uh, that you like available to from Spotify. Uh, in, you know, with their new rules, we we still can find um, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Pandora. Anchor We're on FM. everywhere. Anchor FM, anywhere that you would like. Uh, there is also a link to support us. Uh, you can become a listener supporter for as little as ninety nine cents a month to as much as fifty five dollars, maybe fifty five hundred. I don't know. You decide. You decide. It is your choice. But thanks again for listening to Hot Tub Beers. Please keep the hot tub warm. And until next time, guys, enjoy all of your hot tub beers. Cheers.